Hello everyone and welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. At Evolution, we're committed to helping people and Nordic tech organizations realize their potential. Our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals building trust to make doing business easier. I'm your host, Shania Oljukberg from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and today I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by Matthias, who is the Head of Brand Design at If Insurance, Diane, who is the Head of Products at Alsa Science, Simone, an Aussie living in Stockholm, who's been working the last decade in product and design, and Stefan, who is a Senior Designer at SAS. And we're here to discuss the challenges and possibilities of managing art teams. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are and what you do. So, Matthias, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, as you said, uh, my name is Matthias Brandt-Sarik. Uh, I'm head of brand design at uh, IF Insurance, and that's... Um, an uh, insurance company that is active both in the Nordics and the Baltics. I'm globally responsible uh, for the brand design at IF, uh, and I get to work and lead creative teams in design and brand development. Amazing. Great. Thanks, Matthias. Thank you. Dian, do you want to go next? Sure. Hi there. Uh, my name is Dian Ilev. I'm currently the head of product for a health tech startup called Elzo Science, and we offer solutions for users with for patients with a rheumatic condition um at the moment i manage the product design and content teams um, and under my belt there are three product lines a diagnostic tool for people with rheumatic symptoms a digital companion mobile app for people who have a rheumatic condition helping them track their symptoms medication and get insights on how to manage their disease and the third one is a decision platform for US-based uh, rheumatic clinics, uh, which incorporates various different data sources and uh, produces insights into patients' condition um, uh, through data. Um, and we help um, clinicians make informed decisions about the patient's treatment. And uh, before I was assigned, I spent about three years at um, a FinTech Bank uh, in the UK. Um, and I have also experience in uh, student accommodation sector and health tech again in telecom and marketing advertising. Really excited to be here. Great, thanks. Excited to have you here. Simone, would you want to go next? Hey there, I'm Simone, also known as the Aussie Llama, tuning in from the Llama Loft today. I'm your go-to guide for all things related to product design and learning and development. During my 15-year journey, I've worn various hats from service designer to educational facilitator to innovation strategist. Most recently, I worked as the product manager and design lead at Swedish environmental startup and repeat, a recycling rewards app. Before that, I consulted at IKEA as a project and design manager. No matter the role or challenge, my secret source for success always involves harnessing the force that is workshopping. Essential ingredients include curiosity, inclusiveness, playfulness, and most importantly, collaboration which allow me to turbocharge experiences to epic proportions for individuals, groups, and customers alike. So, if ever your path to greatness gets tough, you can count on this Aussie Llama to lift you right back up. Amazing. Thank you, Simone. Stefan, do you want to go next? Uh, yeah. Uh, my name is Stefan Zivkovic, uh, and uh, I work as a senior designer at SAS. 
um yeah my responsibilities range everything from workshops hands on hands-on design working with stakeholders yeah basically running um, the entire project uh, from design from the design perspective uh yeah looking forward to being here hey amazing thank you everyone Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, a Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So now that we've established the context to each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. So you all have brought a question or a statement on the topic, the challenges and possibilities of managing art teams. So as usual, I'll work around the room, asking each of you to post a question and the reason behind it. So each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So let's start with Matthias. So the question that Matthias brought to the podcast was, how do you ensure an equal level of guidelines, interpretation and design quality between creatives in your team? So, Matthias, where did this question come from? Well, um, it comes from um, a sort of uh, common challenge that I work with on a daily basis in my line of work, uh, where um, we need to ensure always that uh, all our creatives follow the same guidelines, basically, and do the same interpretation of the guidelines, as well as have the same level of quality um, in their in their work as well so um, and working with all a lot of different teams as well as uh, different uh, creatives uh, within teams um, it is a challenge uh, because I mean not everybody is as good at everything uh, and teams are also different in a way in in the ways that they work with with things uh how they approach problems or solve problems as well as as um um yeah their creative work in general so um that's that's the base of the question how do you all of you other guys work with 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 this type of challenges yeah really interesting question that Mateus. so Stefan, do you want to provide your insights first? Yeah, um, I mean, it's uh, quite a broad question, but I would say uh, it really, from my experience, it, it really helps if uh, there's like a common process of how you solve things and how you process things. Like you said, uh, people come from different backgrounds. Everyone is better at something, uh, something else. So everybody has their own like superpower. So like the question is, how can I, how can I, as a leader, uh, help them show their their best talent and kind of like, kind of like let them let them show what they're best at? And I think it all comes down to like a good process. 
like how you work with things, how you uh, process information, how you gather information, how you like appoint different people to different tasks. I mm. think um, that's the biggest uh, takeaway take away from my experience because like it's really hard to put people in places they, they feel uncomfortable in because then they will probably forget how, to, how they do even the best things from my experience. So a good okay. process, to keep mm. it short. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Thank you for your answer there, Stefan. So, Simone, what's your take on the question? Yeah, I also agree with you, Stefan, in terms of taking a more structured approach. I think, like, typically, if you have guidelines, like, maybe it's management that's created it, sometimes in isolation, or even if you've created it amongst a team, maybe it then sits in a repository and no one is really looking at it, or maybe everyone is interpreting it differently. And you maybe sort of come away from the meeting thinking, ah, oh, yeah, like, I think everyone's understood it on the same level. But perhaps then, you know, when you see people actually applying it, and suddenly maybe you can see the difference difference between here are the guidelines and here's actually like how people have interpreted it. So I think, like you said, identifying, um, you know, the different skill levels, not so much maybe the seniority, although that can come into play. Um, but if you have lots of different feedback sessions, I feel like just some continuous learning in a sense. I mean, I see two parts in this question really as well. I think a lot of maybe formal training, if it's quite a comprehensive document, if it's something quite straightforward still, I think though, you know, you don't want to just make an assumption that people people are, are just going to get it immediately, even if they're like the brightest, you know, players on the team. I think it's still worthwhile just to get everyone to come together, kind of make it an open playing field, get people to discuss it and come back to it as well. Like don't make it just a one-off session or just, okay, here's a follow-up session and then you just drop it. Um, and lastly, probably consider that, you know, you often have new people coming on board the team or maybe people from like outside as well, like cross departmentally, maybe suddenly they need to be aware of the guidelines in some sense to deliver on outcomes together. So I think you need to just ensure that you always revisit this um, and just kind of invest in that continuous learning. It is a, a document that, you know, needs to be upheld by the whole team not just say by you know the design manager yeah really interesting answer there Simone thank you for that so I noticed that Stefan did you want to maybe add to what Simone just said yeah um like I remember somebody asked me like what is the best uh when I was working as a consultant before and they asked me like what is the best process that you would recommend and I told them the best process is the one that is used the most uh, because a bad process nobody would use. So I've heard, I've been to a lot of places where everyone has a process or they talk about the process, but it's not used because of either it's too bad or it's really hard to do. So the best process is the one that is used the most, to be honest. And of course, it has to be good enough to deliver the things, but it needs to be easy to use also. That's something that a lot of companies maybe forget and they make something that sounds really good in theory but in real life it's really hard to do and then people don't use it or find shortcuts yeah thanks for that stefan Diane, did you want to maybe add something as well yeah sure um i totally agree with what stefan and simone said um and i would look at this as two sort of uh, two separate questions the first one is interpretation and the second one is the quality when it comes to interpre interpreting those uh, design guidelines well first of all they need to exist in the organization they need to be constantly review updated and make sure that there's a common understanding um, across the team as simon said it doesn't work with just one-off sort of um, introduction it needs to be constantly repeated 
Um, the second one is around onboarding and training. So when there's a new team member starting, make sure that they are fully familiar with all the all those um, uh, guidelines. Um, and what we do at Elza, we have a, a consistent and regular design reviews. And uh, one of the ways to make sure that uh, those guidelines are interpreted in the correct way is always sort of follow those guidelines when when we have uh, uh, design reviews uh, to make sure that we measure uh, the work or we analyze the work uh, through a consistent framework. And when it comes to ensuring the quality of the design from the different teams, again, there is multifaceted approach. The first one uh, is, is empowering the teams, uh, empowering, giving them autonomy to solve the challenges that, that they want to solve. No one wants to be told what to do. Um, you know, create that uh, um, sort of um, um, culture of excellence where everyone is awarded, everyone's recognized for their creativity, for their uh, hard work. Um, Introducing design systems always helps, uh, but with the caveat that design systems are not always applicable to all sorts of, to all companies, right? So, uh, in my experience, introducing design system too early when you don't have a product market fit, it doesn't really work. You need to be at a certain level of, uh, of growth, uh, to that, that you're going to get, uh, the eternal investment to create such a design system. And, and I guess, um, Setting clear objectives uh, at the beginning, how, how you're going to measure the success um, and being really um, encouraging, open, honest and constructive feedback uh, on these um, on these design reviews, uh, being being open and, and constructive is, is really uh, what will uplift the, the quality of, uh, of the work. Yeah, great answer, Diane. Mateus, you want to maybe provide some feedback after hearing everyone's answers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I agree with all of you, um, both on the process uh, part as well as the culture part, which you talked about here lastly, Diane. Uh, Diane. Um, and um, um, I would say something that has helped uh, us at IF is uh, not just providing guidelines or providing the processes, but rather uh, as you say, also uh, teaching people about it. But that's basically hasn't been enough. Uh, for us, uh, it has helped immensely having principles in place, like design principles, which you can follow that hasn't to do with, with rules and, and do's and don'ts that guidelines provide, but rather principles, how to use these graphic elements, how to combine them, which, which is the, uh, which is the leading star basically on how to, how this, this, the, the, the design should be perceived in the end. What is the feeling, the, the expression that we want to achieve basically. So those kinds of things helps a lot. Um, but but I'm I'm I all agree with you with with processes and 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 culture and and building the knowledge uh, on a on a common sort of ground uh, that is really uh, helpful absolutely but uh, really good answers yeah definitely really good answers there and really good question as well Matthias thank you for bringing that to the podcast thank so you. let's move on to Diane's question so Diane brought the question. How do you strike a balance between encouraging creative freedom and ensuring that designs align with business objectives? And in this context, 
what metrics or approaches do you use to objectively assess the success and effectiveness of your team's design work? So, Diane, where did this question come from? Sure. So my background is in product. I've been in product development for the last 15 or so years. And probably about half of my time I've been managing design teams as well. And within sort of products, the, the holy trinity of product engineering and design, product and, and somehow engineering is, uh, feels a little bit easier to measure, to measure effectiveness versus design is a little bit, a little bit more, more, uh, nuanced. And it's really important when we talk about design to, to be linked to business objectives at the end of the day. Uh, solving customer problems is is important, but at the same time, um, those business objectives that we we have set as a as an organization they have to be achieved. And to me, it's always been a bit of a challenge. How do you give that freedom for the teams to to be really creative, to explore the different options, but not to go too wild and too crazy and kind of bring them back to what the sort of the the uh, the business objectives, the goals are that we set to achieve. Um, so it's a challenge that I, that I faced in, in a lot of organizations. Um, and, uh, I haven't found a really, um, a good way of managing that. There's obviously lots of things that you can do, uh, but measuring design is always a little bit nuanced. Uh, so just looking to, to see how other people do that. Yeah, definitely. Really good question. And hopefully we can provide some advice or tips. So Simone, do you want to go first and provide your insights? Yeah, I think there's a lot to consider here. So I might start with like the, the first half, if it's okay. Um, I think it's like, you know, coming down to like a lot of things like expectations, like what are the objectives of the project or the business, the client, for example, um, and kind of just making sure everyone's aligned on that. And however you do that, whether it's, you know, you workshop all together or, you know, have a, a feedback loop, essentially, I think it should be always a continuous discussion. Um on the one hand, I also have a question about why restrict designers or just anybody from kind of going as wild as they want to and, and thinking of all the, the awesome things that are out there right now to explore. Um, but I think one like kind of obvious restriction is, you know, typically there's a deadline, right? Or there is an obvious goal maybe that someone might have set for the sprint or maybe it's a KPI for the quarter or whatnot. Um, and typically maybe that also allows the team to stretch themselves as well, that they can stretch creatively too. Um, so I would sort of be hesitant to sort of micromanage in a sense, but I don't think that's what you're kind of getting to here anyway. I sense, I think it's more like, um, you know, do we let them go wild? Well, I think like within the sort of like loose, like, you know, boundaries that are set ultimately by the business goals or the, the project goals. And then I sort of think, yep, you know, go as wild as you want. And if you come back to me and, you know, as long as you've got a, a trusting sort of culture going on where people feel it's a safe space, um, you know, that you can also kind of uh, continuously share, like you mentioned, design reviews, for example, maybe you can share things internally in the team, as well as, you know, hopefully you feel safe enough with other clients too, if you're doing it on a consultant consulting basis. So I think the continuous feedback loop is kind of something that also helps with thinking about the metrics as well on the second like side of things um, in terms of like just that psychological safety is that people feel okay to come to you like as a design manager or just anyone within the team and hopefully anyone in the business to kind of show things, you know, quite early on, even when they could be in a rough state. Um, you know, I guess that whole thing of just, you know, prototyping fast, um, feeling okay to, to 
fail and then kind of saying, well, you know, can you walk me through like what was your inspiration here, like being mindful of the words we use. And I guess if we're kind of talking from the start about, you know, what sort of like, you know, milestone or what is it we're actually aiming for here? Like, you know, maybe there's sort of a foundation and then you can kind of see that, yep, you can go beyond here. Um but then, you know, maybe when you talk together, it's like, this isn't exactly maybe like what we were sort of looking at, but this is great. Like, you know, maybe we can use this for something else. I think just always having the continuous dialogue and and comparing it back to, I guess, in terms of the metrics, I'm just thinking the business goals. So if they're like, we want feature X, for example, um, and maybe they have like a certain guideline of how it should look. So just on a very basic level, hey, we only use three colors here you know, really like simple hypothetical. And of course, then that's much easier to kind of rein in if someone's going to present like a, a rainbow, you know, presentation. But on the other hand, if it's not so strict like that, um, especially if someone is really looking to disrupt the status quo, um, I guess, yeah, it depends, you know, uh, what it is exactly, like how far the, the client or, you know, as you as a customer are willing to kind of, you know, go beyond the the normal creative realm. So, um that's kind of me just thinking out loud a bit on that one. So yeah, great, great answer there, Simone. Thank you for that. Stefan, do you want to provide your insights and answer to Dianne's question? Uh, yes. Um, like Simone said, I would split this question up into maybe two parts. One is how you set goals. And uh, one is kind of like the communication between everyone and like the cooperation part. Um, I would say setting goals. Uh, like you said, the uh, design is sometimes harder to measure than other things, but I would say, uh, that doesn't have to be the, the problem. I would say you need to have a good scope and you need to have the knowledge. And then also you need to kind of like try to, uh, kind of like cut things down into measurable pieces when it comes to design. So like design is very like you talk very broadly, oh, we want to improve this, 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 and this, but it also needs to look really good. Then it, oh, it, can you make it look like Instagram and can you do this and that? I mean, everyone has had, you know, like these the discussions at one point, but I would say like you, we take a look at the business goals. For example, it's usually we need to create revenue or we need to cut down time or we need to do this or that. And then it's like, okay, let's see what we can do to create more revenue let's talk to our uh, customers let's see what they want so it's kind of easier to start off at the finish line because the finish line is we want more revenue we want this we want that and then you kind of work yourself backwards to see okay to create more revenue we need to talk to our uh, customers and then we need to do this and then we need to do that okay have we done these things uh, have we measured these goals for example after user tests have do we have enough information to create this or do we need to do something else so i kind of i like to work work backwards sometimes from the goals and then build your your project there when it comes to setting goals because it's it's really hard in the beginning when somebody says we need to create more revenue okay where why it's like it's a lot of unanswered questions i feel like when you get like a big question, then you need to cut it, cut it down into really small details. <clears throat> and uh, the second one is cooperation and communication. Like you said, Simone, for example, start off every, every project with a nice workshop where all the stakeholders are there. And then we kind of set some ground rules. For example, what is a must have? What is a nice to have? If we are time pressured, 
what do we see will will what kind of features will 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 make us make the goal of creating more revenue if we if we are in a in a time deadline where we don't have the time to do things then we need to prioritize how do we prioritize if we, if we don't have a prioritization somewhat somehow for example uh and of course showing people your work uh giving feedback being uh, being open being honest for example asking for more time you when you say but you you need to ask in a good way for example i can ensure that we create more revenue but then i will need more time if we launch before this then i cannot ensure us to to for us to meet the goal and then it's a problem for everyone uh of course this is sometimes easier said than done depending on stakeholders and a lot of other things of course um but i would say that's the transparency part and also you know like as a me as a designer for example if i'm showing mockups that are not done i do them in black and white for example just because if i show for example with the right colors with everything like that people that are not used to working with designers they will of course cut my design up into pieces and they will say oh this is this this doesn't look good and this is not what we wanted and this this and this but it's a lot the, i've noticed it's a lot easier to talk to them when they see something black and white and then they can kind of relate to like okay this is not done but i see the the plan here this looks good on on a plan level for example so yeah yeah really good answer that it's so fun thank you for that Matthias, do you want to answer the question as well what's your take on what diane's asked yeah uh absolutely um maybe this question is as broad as mine um i mean it it, it has lots of dimensions i would say um and i, I have a hard time um starting somewhere um the roots of of i mean um being able to to um uh, to sort of uh, measure design is is uh, i think um doing it in in different sort of uh forums like you can have it closed within the team uh measuring between i mean evaluating each other's work basically that's a great way of both collaborating uh and sort of highlighting the creative uh level as well because then you can sort of work on each other's um, uh, ideas and and elaborate and and um, come up with new things. Uh, we usually have this um, like workshop thing where we, if we are going to create something completely new, we can start off by just sketching whatever we uh, the individuals themselves, the creatives, come up with. And then the second phase of this is handing your sketch over to the person to your to uh, to the right, maybe. So it goes around the 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 uh, table a few times. So you sort of push your ideas over to the next person like five times over, and then it gets sort of iterated really quickly as well. This way, you get the creative workflow as well as you you get to uh, sort of um measure or or like um 
figure out if the idea is is good enough or or so. So that's sort of a a good small thing to do. But then on a broader scale, I would say having these kinds of, as I said, like before, having these principles in place that are tightly connected with business objectives, strategies and core values and such uh, helps, I think, to have a common ground. And from that on, you have this creative space in which you can work and you're pretty safe that everything that comes up in within this creative space is according to the objectives and strategies and so on. Um, but then you can always do testing. I mean, testing things and iterating things is the best way of, of, of uh, getting the best results, even though testing sometimes is reactive. Um, you, you need to push forward to be able to, I mean, find the, the ideas that really are bold and pushing things, pushing the edges. Um, but um, I, I'm, I agree with all of you basically on, on, uh, on having the sort of communication and collaborative space and, and uh, doing iterations and all, always like find, creating KPIs that are reachable as well because you need to be realistic in some way as well. Uh, and I always talk about um, design being uh, made up of two things, basically. You have the functional side of it, and then you have the emotional side of it. And being able to achieve the best in both areas are, is pretty difficult. But that's where you need to find the level in between where the the glue in between those two areas basically and that's where you find the purpose of the design is it to is the purpose to be as functional as possible or a, a triggering emotions um so that level is a knob that you need to twist uh and within a team that you you basically do that uh together in the best way, I would say. So it's hard doing it by yourself completely. Uh, so working in a team and utilizing the team's strengths, uh, that is uh, a way forward. Yeah, that's a really good answer there, Matthias, and really good advice as well. And everyone, that's really good answers. So going back to Diane, what's your take on all of this now? Yeah, really, really good answers from all of you. And a lot of the things that you've mentioned, I've tried in the past, and they worked with a various degree of success. Uh, but I really liked uh, your approach, Matthias, about uh, having different uh, sort of starting with uh, different sketches and passing next to the um, the person next to you, next to you, the creatives next to you, and sort of iterating over and over and over until yeah. you get to a really um, uh, can I refine design in a very short space of time? That's, I really like, like that approach. But some of the things that uh, I've explored uh, recently is, again, um, to me, uh, it's very difficult to work without with an absent product strategy, right? So this is, this is the basis of everything, having a clear, uh, defined product strategy, where we're going, why we're going, how we're going, et cetera. Um, it, it's key, uh, and that's that's one of the things that that's fundamental, uh, in my opinion. And um, design principles absolutely um, more or less kind of less of a 
um, as you say, um, Matthias, less do's and don'ts, but more like uh, 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 yeah, principles that 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 will guide uh, guide the teams. Um, and when we start again, at also when we start something brand new, we do we do a workshop with quite a lot of people from from different teams and you know, incorporating feedback. Um, and we we try to do iterative uh, design uh, and uh, break. Uh, Tom, Stefan, you were mentioning about you know if we want to grow revenue, that's a super big uh, initiative. How do we break it down in, into a, something smaller, measurable that uh, proves or disproves a hypothesis that we may have, um, and and of course having the metrics to to measure those those hypotheses, those um, those iterations is is, is key. And it really depends on sometimes on the background of uh, folks that you have uh, that you're working on. Some are more kind of inclined to to think about how they measure their work. Some are less less inclined as long as they are happy with the design. Um, and uh, so that's those are some of the things that that we we do as well. At uh, those, but really good examples, really good uh, answers. Thank you. Yeah, great and great question as well. Thank you for bringing that to the podcast. So let's move on now to Simone's question. So Simone brought the question, how do you foster a culture of endurance in your teams? So Simone, where does this question come from? Yeah, so this one, I wasn't necessarily thinking of like a, a past experience as such, but more that I went to um, a really interesting session in Stockholm recently where the theme of the month was endurance. Um, it was for Creative Mornings, so it's like a monthly session um, and they do it in Stockholm, but also worldwide. And it's really cool just to get a lot of inspiration in general. So it sort of just got me thinking along those lines and just thinking in general, like, I guess, you know, how do we keep people going? Like, you know, thinking of a marathon versus a sprint because um, I mean even for myself you know leading teams but I think just everybody as individuals it's not even just applicable to designers here but you know maybe we could think of it in terms of you know just design teams as well like just how to how to keep people going you know and to motivate them so be really curious to hear some answers on this yeah great question I'm curious as well to hear all the answers so let's start with Stefan Stefan what what's your take on this question I would say uh, have have goals like smaller goals. People like to check things off, and everybody everyone feels good when they have accomplished something. Uh, so of course have a, like a big goal. For example, we need to get this done. This is our goal for this year. But then kind of split it up into smaller goals, both team goals and also individual goals. Um, I think that kind of like, uh, it's, it kind of cuts down the task into smaller bits and it's a lot easier to take on that than just having like a huge, huge task that is really, maybe sometimes you don't understand it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you don't know where you fit in. So I think uh, splitting it up and from team to individual things and things like that. I think that will keep people going. Yeah. It's a really good answer to be fair. Myself, I love setting myself goals and targets and when it is that I've got one last thing on my to-do list and I'm running out of energy but I really want to take it off just so I finish my list it really like motivates me to sort of finish it so yeah definitely agree with you there Stefan. Dian what's your take on the question? Mm. To me the first thing is really starting with defining the you know setting the 
uh, having a clear vision and purpose and kind of linking it to the organization, why the organization um, exists in first place and making sure that everyone understands how their, how their work contributes to that larger vision. Um, and because if you have the sense of belonging that your work matters, uh, that inclusiveness within the team, within the organization really motivates people. They belong somewhere and their work matters. Um, the second thing is to me uh, making sure that you recognize and appreciate people's work. Um, we do spend a lot of time in the office or working from home, whatever, but um, the work work hours are a significant part of our, our of our life uh, for for good or bad. But uh, making sure that people are rec recognized for their for their hard work, uh, being in sort of official programs with promotions, being in sort of uh, ad hoc and official, making sure that they are the credit is due where um, the credit is given where the credit is due. Um, provides as a, as a team team member, as a team leader, as a as a leader in any organization, you have to make sure that your member team members have opportunities to grow. And here it's really important to understand what motivates people. For some people it's it's the title, the stripes, for some people it's money for some people it's actually not career growth some people just want to do good work create good designs whatever and go home really understanding that on a personal level going beyond as a you know beyond just a colleague uh, is, is absolutely uh, um, fundamental in my in my mind and especially understanding what their goals not only within the organization career but what their goals outside of work are and how can we support them in their goals right uh, someone may have uh, going some uh, difficult time with their parents or family member, whatever that might be, understanding and supporting your your, your colleagues, uh, treating them as a humans is 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 key. Um, so those are some of the things that I would um, look at motivating and making sure that people are kind of going in the short and the long term. Yeah, really good answer there, and good point in the fact that everyone is different. Everyone has different goals and. Obviously, people like to be rewarded in different ways. So, yeah, really good. Yeah, it was very, it's very interesting when I moved to Sweden and my experience in the UK, it's all about, uh, it's all about career growth and how do you get onto the next level. And my impression in Sweden, at least, it's a very small sort of uh, amount of experience I've had, but that's not the case uh, in Sweden, not necessarily the case. Uh, a lot of people are just happy to do good work uh, and, and go home, uh, regardless of uh, their career growth and opportunities. So absolutely important to understand what, what motivates everyone. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like you say, like obviously different like cultural aspects of it as well. Definitely. Matthias, what's your take on this question? Well, I agree uh, as well on... Um on uh i mean how swedes work um pretty much everybody loves just what they do uh in a way and and you seldom hear people complain about the work they do basically um and i i think uh, the key to success here with uh creating a culture of endurance is to uh build trust um that is uh really uh something that that makes teams uh come together uh as well as individuals within teams um to create this trust that that you have like a creative freedom you're able to do mistakes 
as well as uh, step outside of the box sometimes just to um, be able to be curious, basically. So I think that trust needs to be there. Um, and, and also, I think uh, building the culture um, needs to be uh, divided into like the, the, the work environment. I think the work environment needs to be personal, but the work in itself doesn't necessarily need to be personal because sometimes when you make work too personal, um, a piece of you dies when you don't get the sort of uh, thumbs up or what you're doing, basically. Um, so you need to per put your personal self outside of the actual work, but within the work environment, being able to con uh, collaborate with teammates or or, or having a, a, a nice environment where you could talk about any type of thing or uh, laugh and, and tell jokes and stuff like that. I think that builds a, a good um, environment, a culture where you where you like to go to work each day. And that eventually gives you uh, sort of the uh the positive thoughts about the actual work as well even though it sometimes can be uh not as as satisfying as you want it to be um but but i mean i i think uh, the, the back again to the trust part i think that is the 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 sole key to to making teams and teammates uh thrive uh, and endure yeah, definitely a really good answer there. Like trust, definitely a huge thing. And I really liked what you said as well about how the environment, if you're sort of happy to go into work, obviously that will affect your quality of work yeah. as well. So yeah. between that as well. Simone, after hearing everyone's answers, what's your final takes? Yeah, I think all really great points and I agree with all of them too. And I think like what I'm hearing and what like I really feel myself when I reflect on the question too is it all comes down to like how you want to connect and nurture people in your team. Um, and it doesn't have to be again like that, you know, you're kind of doing this, you know, from a hierarchical like level. I think it should go sideways as well, to be honest. Like I think it shouldn't just be in a silo or anything like this. We should look out for everybody around us, you know, who we connect with on a, a daily basis. Or like I said, if you're a consultant like I have been in the past, then, you know, with your stakeholders or clients as well so I think everybody that you interact with you know um, I think it was Dion that might have said like people are always going through something that you don't know 100% what's happening in someone's life um, and so you want to also consider not only the professional side of things but also the personal side of things even if you know people aren't bringing like you know that to the table um, I think we just have to acknowledge that like we're all humans right so um, even though you know we might try to you know you know sort of push that aside and just be like really super professional but I think we have to acknowledge, you know, yeah, what are people's motivations if something's going on or different phase of life? For example, if you start to, you know, think about having a family or 
you know, you're not looking to have a family. Like those are just two very different states, you know, just in someone's life in terms of how they might approach things. Um, I think, Stefan, too, like you were talking about goals as well. I think it also depends that it has to be relevant for people. But again, maybe not everybody is also motivated by goals. Um, so I think it's sort of looking at, okay, let's definitely have goals. I, I like them myself personally. I qu get quite driven by them. Um, but if that sort of, you know, carrot stick approach doesn't work for some people, you know, what will it be? Will it be maybe the social activities, the, the after works, for example? Some people, you know, couldn't care less about this at all. Um, but, you know, it's like the short term, maybe they're just happy to have nice colleagues um, in the long term, though, you know, it's maybe a bunch of other things. So I think really to explore even beyond the motivations is like the underlying values and definitely, you know, you're going to uncover that through, you know, one-to-ones, but also, you know, through probably just, yeah, team activities, uh, you know, scheduled events, workshopping. Um, so you can kind of co-create a path forward so that, you know, you can kind of support each other through the good times and the rough times. I mean, you know, lots of different things happen. And I think even if you have a relatively nice workplace, you know, there might be tough times like a project or something, just, you know, you feel like, you know, it's quite challenging. So I think just knowing, you know, what people have that might trigger them as well on the team, if that's made aware in a, a psychologically safe space. So, you know, as a manager, but as a just a, a colleague, someone to support, you know, the human beings around us. Um, I think that's the, the best way to help us all go forward in the short and long term. So I take what everyone said here and I've um, noted down. So it's really nice. So thank you for that. Yeah, great. Like I say, great question. Thank you again for bringing this to the podcast. So by last but no means least, we're going to move on to Stefan's question. So Stefan brought the question, how do you motivate the team members to be the best, best version of themselves? So Stefan, where did this question come from? Um, I would say uh, like from my experience, uh, you work a lot better where you feel better. I think we touched upon it uh, with the previous conversation. For example, <clears throat> some people like to go work better in, in the office. A lot of people work better from home. Uh, as everyone said, you can go through a lot of things in life without showing them maybe a lot. So it's sometimes maybe hard to know. And some people have a hard time maybe talking about things with other people. Um, so, um, I mean, it comes from there. Like we're all people and the, the worker that performs the best and feels the best is the, is a happy worker that is motivated to work every day. And, uh, like a motivated worker that feels good, he will come with, with, he will come up with creative ideas that are really good from my experience. Yeah, definitely. And we all want happy workers, didn't we? So amazing. Yeah. Hey, Mateus, what's your take on this question? Um, I would say, um, uh, I would say that that leading uh, as a good example uh, does a lot. Um, behave the way you want others to behave, uh, as well as sort of allowing people to be themselves as well. Um, I think that that builds a, a, a good culture in a way and, and strengthens the individuals in themselves, even though they sometimes people, uh, as you said, Stefan, um, that um, some people don't like to be expressive. Um, 
some people are expressive, some people are introverts and, and so on and so forth. So I think it's a matter of just allowing for people to be themselves and sort of giving them the chance to uh, to to um, be um, be able to show who they are and what they like to do. Uh, so um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's different approaches, uh, but I think just uh, leading as a good example could be a start of it um, and, and sort of letting people uh, know that you trust them uh, to be themselves and they are allowed to be whomever they are um, and so on. And, and also like building on what we talked about previously with building this environment that is happy I think happiness uh, is is a really key of 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 a great team. Uh, sort of not being afraid of doing mistakes and laughing about it. Just saying, well, shit happens. Basically, sorry for the language, but um, uh, I think that that's the key. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, mistakes. Just welcoming them and just feeling comfortable and happy in your environment that you're working in. Well, really good advice, MTS. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to go next and provide your answer to this question? Yeah, there's there's so many things that uh, I was nodding when Matthias was uh, was talking because I totally agree about creating this environment where everyone could be themselves. In the sense that we need to celebrate individualism. We need to celebrate the differences that each of us may have. Whatever we bring uh, to the table. Creating this environment where everyone is is um, safe to to express what they think. Uh, it's okay to fail. Uh, it's okay to to learn new things. It's okay to be different to to have a different uh, uh, way of communicating. Uh, and celebrating these differences is key. Uh, also, I think what's important is is giving autonomy to people and trusting them that they're going to do the right decision. Trusting them by default is is key. And we talked about I think. We touched this on the on the previous question that uh, that's that's fundamental uh, and it has to be a default that you, you trust people. Um, and then I think um, having an uh, an open uh, and transparent uh, culture to give uh, uh, constructive feedback to people when sometimes things don't go don't go as well as they should. Uh, that also kind of. Uh, solidifies the, the this environment of uh, transparency of trust uh, and uh, really uh, make as much as you can but make the the, the workplace as fun as possible that that's also key uh, we talked about um, i think stefan was mentioning that happy people are uh, the most productive people and it's not uh, you know it's not the job of one person in the organization to do that. it's not the hr uh, it's everyone's job to make the the the, the office or, or, or a specific meeting or workshop uh, to be to be enjoyable yeah definitely really good answer there like like you say it's not just up to one person to make everyone happy if everyone in the office is happy it's likely going to rub off on everyone else and just have that sort of snowfall effect so definitely Precisely, and, and I think I think also recognizing people, and uh, we talked about earlier, recognizing them for for the success, recognizing them for uh, whatever they have uh, achieved, and and reward them. Uh, that will that will make sure that they they bring more of that. Yeah, definitely. You'll definitely help to increase that positivity. Like you're doing work, you're getting recognized for it. 
and you're getting rewards at the same time, which is going to sort of make sure that like your team is just constantly in a positive state of mind. So yeah, amazing. Thank you for that, Diane. So Megan, would you like to provide your answer to Stefan's question? Yeah, I just add a little bit. So yeah, definitely like the things people have said are things that I was thinking myself as well. Um, and I think also on the other hand, we need to be careful of how we interpret this whole like thing of what is the best version, because I think we all interpret it differently as well. So maybe like some of us think this is being your most exuberant self. And for others, if you're an introvert, maybe, you know, it's not that way, but you're still your best version. It's just in a different way. Like we're saying, appreciate the differences. Um, and I think also like as humans you know like we recognize we're not going to be 100% happy all the time and probably like the the happiest employees or the best you know employees that I've seen are bringing like their whole selves as cheesy as that sounds so you know you come in and if you're feeling a bit rough that morning you know if you feel like you're in a safe space where you can say this and then you know you still kind of move on you're probably not grumbling the whole day you know then maybe you've got to get some more support with the the issue or the situation at hand but you hope that your team is also there for you um that you know you're not having to walk in like you know Mary Poppins and you know 100% all the time and and you know laughing and whatnot of course so that is super nice to have um but yeah the best version just looks different to everybody so I think in you know previous conversations we were saying that if someone comes in and they're like I'm just happy to do a good job and for others it's like no the best version for me is like every day I improve myself one percent um but not to put that on someone else so just to recognize we're different and I think just ultimately understanding what makes people tick I think think it's like just really fascinating like just psychology in general like you know to try to understand everybody and ourselves so yeah we can just contribute like to to a nice environment where it feels pleasant and you know you feel like you know there's nothing toxic going on um I think ultimately we are though all responsible like as they say for the energy that we bring into the room but of course I think we should also be there to help lift our team members up as well and as a design manager certainly I feel like we have some level of responsibility for that as well to kind of tune in to you know just how it's you know feeling um and also just to kind of see if that feeling is actually you know how it is or it's just our perception so I think yeah lots of layers here about the best version question which yeah for me I definitely will continue to think on about this so thank you for that one Stefan yeah definitely really good answer there especially you know like you say everyone's different you've got to sort of understand that not everyone's going to be 100% all the time and obviously just being there to support them when it is that you need that little extra push. So, yeah, amazing. Thank you for that, Simone. Stefan, what would you like to add? Is there anything that you'd like to say after hearing everyone's answers? Uh, I think all of you said uh, a lot of good things. Um, I think uh, it's very important, like you said, Simone, uh, how do you interpret this? And I would say the best version of yourself is kind of like, it's cha it changes every day. Sometimes you have a good day, sometimes you have a bad day. And uh, like Matthias said, stuff happens. Uh, and um, I think like uh, the best way you can help a person that's, let's say, maybe stressed or, you know, has a family situation or something with like a kid or whatever is being understandable. Like understanding that sometimes you need to go early, sometimes you need to work from home a little bit more sometimes you need to you need to maybe skip a meeting or whatever and uh, like your job is kind of like make the make the environment as where that person who misses a meeting who has to take a day off or whatever doesn't feel super stressed or super bad when they come back i think if you have done that 
then you can say you have a good culture in your in your workspace uh because then the person understands also like i'm human i can do mistakes i can i can have a bad day i can uh, you know like stuff stuff happens in life and people will have the understanding to like so that i can be less stressed in life also i think that's very important and especially in this day and age where you where a lot of, a lot of people are connected to their phones computers all the time i think that's very important to show people that it's okay you don't have to be superman all the time yeah definitely great question there as well stefan thank you for that and great answers i feel like we've all probably learned a little bit something as well so definitely great thank you everyone so before we end the podcast, I'd just like to say thank you so much to all of our guests for sharing their thoughts. So they've been Matthias, who's the head of brand design at If Insurance. Diane, who is the head of products at Alsa Science. Simone, who is an Aussie living in Stockholm, spending the realm of product design and design. Stefan, who's the senior designer at SAS. And if you're hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, Feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution, or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. So I'm Shania Olajukba, and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at shania.olajukba at evolution-nordics.com or visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash UK forward slash Nordics. Thank you so much again to all of our guests and thank you for listening.